Happy New Year. So excited for 2023. It's going to be an awesome year. Thanks for joining us for Transform Your Workplace. I'm Brandon Laws, your host. Today's episode features a timely discussion with Marcus Sawyer. He's a veteran in the recruiting industry and a founder and CEO of EQ Community. We'll talk about recent evolutions in recruiting and how technology is affecting diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts and just how it's an evolving process that is going to continue to change. And I really enjoyed the conversation with Marcus today. So I hope you enjoy. Make sure to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, any of those places. Love connecting with listeners and just seeing how you're liking the show and how you're using any of the ideas that you've learned from any of the episodes. I want to know how you're transforming the workplace. So feel free to reach out and connect. Enjoy today's episode and we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Marcus, it's a pleasure to have you on Transform Your Workplace. Thanks for coming on the show. Brandon, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. You've got a heck of a background. You've been in the recruiting industry a long time. What are some of the biggest changes that you've seen in all of your years in recruiting? It's changed a lot in the last decade. Yeah, I think the thing about the recruiting industry, because people are at the center of this, is it always tends to be an evolution versus a revolution. So the changes that you mentioned take place, but they're quite subtle. And I think for the industry at large, what you've seen is that you've seen the experience of people going through the recruiting process, i.e. talent, has just really the expectations has increased significantly. And I think that is probably a large part to do with the level of expectation in consumer products that we all use today, like whether that's ordering a taxi or whether that's shopping for an item online. So that level of expectation of experience has absolutely changed. So the individual has more there to do. And I think from the company standpoint, we're starting to see that seep into B2B. That takes a little bit more time. But even internally, you expect the tools to be working in a certain way. You expect them to be fast. You expect them to get answers. So I think the speed and efficiency of HR just in general, and the recruiting process has yeah, been evolving kind of step by step, but taking the lead from the consumer products. So you're saying because of our needs on the consumer side, our expectations of a user experience with technology, it's driving change in the recruiting industry. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. And and when I was at a company a while back, I was at a company called careerbuilder.com. And we one of the things we used to talk about a lot, and this was years ago, I want to say 10 years plus, We used to talk a lot about the fact, and I think when you're a large brand, you do this, is the folks that are using your platform today to find a job. And let's take it from the the company standpoint. If you're advertising for one of the large kind of carriers, mobile carriers or community, they could be your customers. And so the level of expectation is just huge, right? And you see it with a lot of the big retailers as well. And so why would you switch who you are when you're applying for a job? versus when you're buying a product or service. You're not a different person. What, if anything, would you change about the way the recruiting industry is right now? I think the big thing is that there's a reliance on information or what we believe to be information, but which is in fact data from individuals that are applying for jobs. There's in fact unnecessary. So I think 
the education piece as a part of it is like the requirements that you have. It's like, hey, can you give me somebody with 10 years blockchain experience to work in crypto and blockchain's only been around for five years? Right. Like, so right. I think it's just like terrible briefs and terrible descriptions is what I would change and being a bit more thoughtful on that process. And also just as an employer, like really deeply reviewing what you're asking people to do and say, is that really necessary to get the job done uh, medium and longer term? Is that necessary for somebody to be successful in our organization or is it just something we have because we had it? And we haven't changed it. When it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, and just diversity with recruiting, do you think technology is helping that case or hurting us? And maybe it's a little bit of both, but I'm, I'm curious what your take is. As more technologies entered into the space, is it filtering people out? Is it helping improve the way we're able to hire diverse talent or no? I think with anything that has great power, it depends on who the user is, right? You can have a Formula One car, and I'm going to be terrible at that, but you take Lewis Hamilton and he'll know how to use it. So I think the technology itself is really going to depend on who the users are and how you're leveraging that technology. There's a question mark around being biased and unbiased, and if that's built into the models, again, it depends on who's building the model. So I think doing some diligence on how those models are built and understanding that will probably answer that question. But I think overall, technology, it's probably been something that, I don't want to say that it's its hindered DNI, but we probably need to take a step back and slow it down and figure out like, why are we using this tech and what is it going to help us do more effectively? The problem with, again, as consumers, I use the word consumer broadly because I think we're always consuming something, eating something, right? Think of social media, think of the news feed, they're feeding us. Right. So we're all consumers to an extent. And I think we've got to kind of change from being a consumer into reflective mode and really think through like why we're using this technology and what problem it's solving. So I think with DNI, it's the same thing. And if as long as you think through it and you've got the right users, then you'll be just fine. But if not, then yeah, it's probably going to have a detrimental impact on helping you with your processes to become more diverse. Yeah, it seems like we're probably relying too much on this technology. Right. Because we're consumers of it, we're expecting it to do things that it's probably not meant to do. And inherently, it's probably biased because you have engineers coding it, right? Unless you have true artificial intelligence where it's self-learning, there's probably some flaws to some of the technology that we're using in this space. Well, even if it is self-learning, there'll be somebody that originally built that model. And I think that we sometimes, as just human beings, we get really far from first-level principles and we basically complicate things as time goes on. And we forget what is the essence of us finding the right talent. And, and going into the right talent is going to help our organization and go into diversity in particular diversity has been seen as something that's a box ticking exercise or it's been seen as something that's a nice to have or we should do it because we're doing the right thing and that's absolutely the wrong way to look at it it should be dni as a superpower and the reason i say that is if you look at some of the best performing teams in the world they're not going to have folks that are playing in the same position you take a basketball team a football team a netball team you need people that come from different perspectives and have different skill sets that can enhance your team overall so i almost feel like that narrative uh, has had a detrimental impact on the progress of diversity more than technology itself for employers who are really bought into they know that hiring diverse talent could really be a game changer for for business we know that productivity increases profit follows, right? And this is a business case, right? To hire diverse talent. But for employers who are thinking like, I don't even know where to start. I am either not finding the talent that I need. What, what advice would you give to them? Well, I, I think it goes back to the initial point of kind of thinking about the job that needs to be done. 
and what you're trying to achieve. And then once you have that framework, your options start to open up. And I always say, and we talk about this a lot, it's like there's a reason that folks that invented the railroad or in the railroad industry didn't get into flying airplanes. And you think that they should because it's all transport, but they didn't realize what business they were in. They thought that they were in the train or the railroad business, but they didn't realize that they were in a transportation business. And I think kind of coming at it with that lens from DNI is like, what do we need to get done? And then working back and then what are all the ways that we can get this work done? And then do we really need somebody that is educated at a top level Ivy League school to design a graphic for us? Is that a requirement? Is that absolutely necessarily? Or, or do we need somebody who's maybe a little bit more forward thinking or has been in an environment before where they've been creative and had to show resilience? So I would look at the core principles of DEI. So that's the first thing. What are your principles on the values that you hire on? And then not to give a, a shameless plug here, but within EQ, the way that we focus on DNI is we act as a third referral because every time I speak to organizations and CHROs and companies, you find that about 30% of your talent comes from referral, which is great for retention sometimes, but to break the cycle of getting new talent in, it becomes a little bit challenging if you're getting referrals from the same people. So where are you getting your referrals from? And so we provide a service where we refer talent into organizations, but we refer mid to senior level folks, because guess what? Once they come into your organization, they are the folks that are making decisions and they can then refer folks in as well. So really analyzing the network effects of how you bring talent in via referral and time your business is, is absolutely key. And then kind of working with people that might be able to give you a referral, or plug you into a network that you're not already in. Yeah, that's a really interesting point you made about the referrals. I mean, naturally, we want to think like, we'll take the referral because we already trust somebody in our organization. If they're referring somebody else in, it's like, why not, right? But then that could perpetuate the cycle of having the exact same type of people over and over again. And so how would you break up that mix of like how many referrals we would take versus, you know, looking at EQ or something similar? Yeah. And again, I think it's less uh, about the medium and the channel, right? So we're talking about the tools again. It depends on who's using the tools. So referrals are still, I think, by and large, one of the best ways to get talent in. But are you getting a mix of referrals because you have a diverse organization and diverse leadership team where you can get into different networks and different communities that you wouldn't have otherwise? So really being just self-critical and looking at that and saying, okay, well, we don't really have a mix. So these are why we're getting all these types of people in. And we talked earlier about the experience of candidates. And yeah, one of the things is that candidates are treated differently if they're a referral versus if they come and apply directly. So they're getting a slightly different treatment. And then that will impact your employer brand as well, longer term, like how people are going through the flow and the process. So those are just a couple of the key points that I would think about. I believe you're native to the UK, correct? I'm native to the UK. Yeah, I live in the US on the West Coast and 50% okay. of my family moved to the US and 50% moved here. So your career in the recruiting industry started in in London, I believe, right? And then you moved over to the United States. What are the differences between how the countries might perceive recruiting or DE&I? I'm curious, you have a unique perspective. Yeah, so I was at Career Builder in the UK. It was very much a US-driven organization. So versus it being a multinational, which is a breakup of different organizations globally it was a global organization so a lot of the center of gravity was in chicago so I always had relationships with the us as i mentioned briefly 50 percent of my family 
they moved to the US. I always, always had ties there as well. And then when I went to the ADECO group and led digital transformation, I had in one year, I'd done 107 flights in one year. And I only know that because of uh, tax purposes. So I was in all different countries, Asia, parts of Asia, obviously parts of Europe as well, the US. So got to see a lot of different perspectives. And I think there are, yeah, there are cultural differences. But then when you go into the US, it's so vast. There are differences via state, differences via region, because it's a federation. So when we kind of talk about Europe versus the UK, I always used to think that that was quite challenging to lump the UK into Europe, which is it's kind of challenging to lump California into the entire US. So I think you'd have to then dissect each individual market. But I'd say in a large, in a recruiting industry in the UK, the recruiting industry is kind of the first, I would say the first kind of sales driven industry. So if you're coming out of college or you're trying to get into sales, you go into recruiting in the UK. So there's about 16 and a half, 17,000 recruiting companies in the UK and with a 60, I don't know, it might be 67 million population. That was a big portion of business being done. And I think in the US, it's about 20,000 with 324 million people in the US. So it was very much driven by the recruiting industry. So the big permanent direct hire industry, I would say that contract business in the US is a lot more prevalent. So you've got MSPs and managed service providers that are doing a lot of contract work. And then in the UK, you would have more RPOs, recruitment process outsource for permanent recruitment. And so with that being said, and also job boards, there were a lot more job boards in the UK than there was in the US. There was a few major ones in the US, but then you've got niche job boards in the US. And so there were the birth of companies in the UK that would do job distribution where you post one job and they go out to multiple sites that was a big thing where it was one resume database driven in the US and that's probably why LinkedIn came out initially as well because it was a collection of kind of publicly driven resumes and then you've got the data side as well which so you see GDPR and then you see CCPA California Consumer Privacy Act which is a derivative GDPR so I think the data laws are a lot tighter in Europe and that then starts to speak with the type of products that are developed in the US in particular. So yeah, those are some of the things I just see in the recruiting industry. And there's loads of other differences by state and area and things like that. Right. I want to turn to your community that you built. Why did you create this? What was the need? Did you see did you see a, a, a need for it? And, and that's why you decided to build it? Where are you at now with it? Just give listeners an insight as to what you're doing in your community. Yeah, sure. So after being in the recruiting industry for some time during the pandemic, I had some time to think and reflect on where things are going and what I'd done historically. And I, I've been fortunate enough to get into positions of being a Fortune 500 exec, get into boardrooms and do a lot of things I didn't expect. And a lot of that, when I broke it down, was based on my networks. So I wanted to try and help people that maybe look like me or come from a similar background that don't have a network to get access to what I call the four C's. So ensuring you've got the right community to people that can support you, whether that's mentors or just people to bounce ideas off of, ensuring that you've got connections. So connections that can help you break cycles into different areas that you might not have seen and then access to meaningful careers, which ultimately leads to capital. So, um, and how that came about was I was passionate about helping like friends, helping people that I knew, I knew a bit about the recruiting industry, I thought, after 18 years and kind of understood how that world worked. And that yeah, there was a, a big social change in the US. And I felt like this, if I was going to do anything, it would be my life's work, really to empower people from diverse backgrounds to thrive. 
So yeah, found companies that said, hey, we want to do something about DEI, but we don't really know how. So I wanted to remove those excuses by giving you a platform where we can make introductions. Yeah, so those are some of the reasons, but it's been a amalgamation of kind of thinking, reflecting, looking at the opportunities, looking at what I saw when I was on the investment side at ADECO and then coming up with something that I thought would make sense for both the members of EQ and the, the corporates that want to hire talent. So walk me through a situation. So if I'm I'm a candidate and I'm looking for a new opportunity, what what's the first interaction? Like what would I experience on on the side of interacting with EQ community? Yeah, firstly, you'd interact with EQ way before you're looking for a new opportunity. So we don't bring folks in that are looking for new opportunities. Initially, it's people that want to get connected. So it's really building up your connections. And uh, maybe you would come into EQ because you've seen an event that we were hosting and you wanted to learn more about crypto. Or you saw an event that we were hosting and you wanted to figure out how you can connect with people that are local in your area. So it's all based on interests. And then when you're in the community, maybe you see an opportunity, you're not right for it, but you become a referrer and then you refer somebody into that opportunity. So that's the the member's experience. It's all interest-based and there isn't an expectation you come in and you find a job immediately. It's that you connect with people and you see opportunities that might make sense to help you with that next step in your career. That could be internally or externally. How might a business interact with the community? So yeah, in a couple of ways. Uh, and one is we started helping some businesses on strategy around DNI initially. So like helping companies with their DNI pledges. And that was really the genesis of EQ. And then with businesses, we found a way to really make red carpet introductions to what we call relevant, interested and verified talent. So a company would come onto EQ if they, let's say they weren't referred and they came to the platform, they would be able to take out an account and get a recruiter license or a corporate license. And after we would vet that company to figure out if they're going to be inclusive and they are inclusive, we would give them access to introductions and we'd make introductions for them on roles that they either have now or they have in the future to help them build out a pipeline. And it's a subscription model versus a fee-based model. Where do you want to take the community in the future? Yeah, so I think longer term, what we'll see with the community is it won't just be about that job that you have today within corporate, but the kind of life cycle of how you want to grow and progress. Um, And that could be all different types of services that could be everything from your job today, but also maybe even your side hustle, or it could be about you wanted to build your own company or your organization. And then for companies... It's about the retention. So you've hired the talent. How do you keep that talent? How do you keep them engaged as well? So I think once you've got a community, it's about really going with the direction that the community wants to go because they're ultimately ultimately the ones that have the needs. Um, And then we're also powering a lot more around DNI because we found a lot of folks on their first or second job with DNI. There are quite a few experts out there. And a lot of the experts in DNI happen to be on EQ, in fact. So we're now helping those experts get access to companies to help them really consult with organizations through EQ and um, help those companies grow. Because there's, there's a lot of different industries and nuances, whether it's healthcare or it's tech or in different areas. So really uh, providing that service to our community members to connect them with companies so they can consult as well. What I love about what you're building and continue to build on it is it's not transactional. It's you're really trying to create a community where members are giving value, businesses can get something out of it too. And I mean, it really can change people's lives really to connect people together that otherwise would never be introduced to each other. 
Yeah, I appreciate you looking at it like that. And what we found is that some of the magic takes place just by putting people in the room and connecting each other. So we host a lot of virtual events, but also some physical events where people have had conversations with folks that they didn't think that they otherwise would have. And it's changed their lives because they've got an opportunity maybe to either go in a full-time position or consult or even just meet someone different from a different background where they can connect with, and now they've got a contact on the other side of the US that they wouldn't have had otherwise. So, And we didn't expect that part, I don't think. It was more just, again, to your point, making sure we weren't super transactional, like a job board or just a platform where you come on and you don't know anyone. Yeah. Marcus, this has been a great conversation. I love what you're building. Uh, I know you got to go, but I appreciate you for coming on. Where can people learn more about you, your work, EQ, anything that you want to point people to? Yeah, sure. So we've got the domain um, eq.app. So it's just eq.app. And that will give you a, a kind of a list of the different links. If you want to come to the community, it's just eq.community. So it's eq.community. There's no .com, no, no .us, just eq.community. And um, those are the two places. And if you search my name with two R's, um, there are other places you'll find me as well. My guest today has been Marcus Sawyer. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Appreciate you. Thanks, Brandon. Really appreciate it. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the guest's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of Zenium HR or the host, Brandon Laws. The material and information presented on Transform Your Workplace is for general information and educational purposes only. Zenium HR or the host, Brandon Laws, does not necessarily endorse any guest, their business, or any organization they represent. Discretion is advised. Please work with a trusted advisor to find a custom approach that fits your organization's needs.